Section 28 of Lucretia Borgia by Ferdinand Gregorovius. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Emily Maynard. Book 2, Chapter 6, Events Following the Pope's Death. After Lucretia's first transports had passed, she may well have blessed her good fortune, for to what danger would she have been exposed if she now, instead of being Alfonso's wife, was still forced to share the destiny of the Borgias? she was soon able to convince herself that her position in ferrara was unshaken she owed this to her own personality and to the permanent advantages which she had brought to the house of este she saw however that the lives of her kinsmen in rome were in danger there were her sick brother her child rodrigo and giovanni duke of neppi while the orsini burning with a desire to wipe out old scores were hastening thither to avenge themselves for the blood of their kinsmen she besought her father-in-law to help Caesar and to preserve his estates for him. Ercole thought it would be more to his own advantage for Caesar to hold the Romagna than to have it fall under the hands of Venice. He therefore sent Pandolfo Colonuccio thither to urge the people to remain true to their lord. To his ambassador in Rome he confided his joy that Caesar was on the road to recovery. With the exception of the Romagna, the empire of Alexander's son at once began to crumble away the tyrants he had expelled returned to their cities guidobaldo and elisabetta hastened from venice to urbino and were received with open arms still more promptly giovanni sforza had returned from mantua to pesaro the marquis gonzaga had sent him the first news of alexander's death and of caesar's illness and sforza thanked him in the following letter illustrious sir and honoured brother i thank your excellency for the good news which you have given me in your letter especially regarding the condition of Valentino. My joy is great because I believe my misfortunes are now at an end. I assure you that if I return to my country, I shall regard myself as your Excellency's creature, and you may dispose of my person and my property as you will. I ask you, in case you learn anything more regarding Valentino, and especially of his death, that you will send me the news, for by doing so you will afford me great joy. I commend myself to you at all times." Mantua, August twenty-fifth, 1503. As early as September 3rd, Sforza was able to inform the Marquis that he had entered Pesaro amid the acclamations of the people. He immediately had a medal struck in commemoration of the happy event. On one side is his bust, and on the other a broken yoke with the words, Patria Recepta. Filled with a desire for revenge, he punished the rebels of Pesaro by confiscating their property, casting them into prison, or by putting them to death. He had a number of the burghers hanged at the windows of his castle. Even Colonuccio, who had placed himself under the protection of Lucretia and the Duke, in Ferrara, was soon to fall into his hands. With flattering promises, Giovanni induced him to come to Pesaro, and then on the ground of the complaint he had addressed to Caesar Borgia, which Sforza claimed he had only just discovered, he cast him into prison. Colonuccio, not wholly guiltless as far as his former master and friend was concerned, resigned himself to his fate and died in July 1504. Meanwhile, Lucretia was anxiously following the course of events in Rome. None of her letters to Caesar written at this time are preserved, nor are any of Caesar's to her. The only ones we have are those which he exchanged with the Duke of Ferrara, who continued to write him. 
September 13th, Ercole wrote, congratulating him on his recovery and informing him that he had sent a messenger to the people of Romagna, urging them to remain true to him. Caesar was in Nepi when he received this letter, having gone there September 2nd after he had arranged with a French ambassador in Rome, on the suggestion of the cardinal, to place himself under the protection of France. He was accompanied by his mother, Venozza, his brother Giuffre, and doubtless also by his little daughter Luisa and the two children, Rodrigo and Giovanni, the latter of whom was Duke of Nepi. There he was safe, as the French army was camped in the neighborhood. Just as if nothing had happened, he wrote letters to the Marquis Gonzaga, who was then at his headquarters in Campagnano. He even sent him some hunting dogs as a present. There is also in existence a letter written by Giuffre to the same Gonzaga, dated Nepi, September 18th. While here, Caesar learned that his protector and friend Amboise had not been elected pope as he had hoped, but that Piccolomini had been chosen. September 22nd, this cardinal, senile and moribund, ascended the papal throne, assuming the name Pius III. He was the happy father of no less than twelve children, boys and girls, who would have been brought up in the Vatican as princes but for his early death. He permitted Caesar to return to Rome and even showed him some favor, but scarcely had the Borgia appeared, October 3rd, when the Orsini rose in their wrath and clamored for the death of their enemy. He and the two children took refuge in Castle Sant'Angelo, and October 18th Piccolomini died. The two children now had no protector but Caesar and the cardinals, whom Alexander had appointed as their guardians. On the death of the Pope, their duchies crumbled away. The Gaetani returned from Mantua, and again took possession of Sermoneta and all the other estates which had been bestowed upon the little Rodrigo. Ascanio Sforza demanded either Nepi or the position of Chamberlain, and the last Varano again secured Camerino. Rodrigo was Duke of Pizelli and as such under the protection of Spain, Alexander having succeeded in obtaining, May twentieth, 1502, from Ferdinand and Isabella of Castile, a diploma by virtue of which the royal house of Spain confirmed the Borgia family in the possession of all their Neapolitan estates. In this act, Caesar and his heirs, Don Giuffre of Squilace, Don Juan, son of the murdered Gandia, Lucretia as Duchess of Bizelli, and her son and heir Rodrigo are explicitly named. There is likewise in the Este archives an instrument which was drawn up in Lucretia's chancellery, referring to the control of Rodrigo's property and also others regarding the little Giovanni. The two children, Rodrigo and Giovanni, during their early years were reared together. Lucretia provided for them from Ferrara, as is shown by the record of her household expenses in 1502 and 1503. There are numerous entries for velvet and silk and gold brocade which he bought for the purpose of clothing the children. In spite of the protection of Spain, Lucretia's son's life was in danger in Rome, and it was her duty to have the child brought to her. But this she neglected to do, either because she did not dare do so, or she was not strong enough to bring it about, or because she perhaps feared that the child would be still in greater danger in Ferrara. The Cardinal of Cosenza, Rodrigo's guardian, suggested to her that she sell all his personal property and send him to Spain, where he would be safe. In the letter she informed her father-in-law of this, and he replied as follows. Illustrious lady, our dearest daughter-in-law and daughter, 
we have received your majesty's letter and also the one which his eminence the cardinal of cosenza addressed to you and which you sent us this we return to you with our letter no one but ourselves read it we note the unanimity with which your majesty and the cardinal write his advice shows such solicitude that it is at once apparent that it is due to his affection and wisdom we have considered everything carefully and it seems to us that your majesty can and ought to do what the worthy monseigneur suggests in fact i think your majesty is bound to do as he advises on account of the affection which he displays for you and the illustrious don rodrigo your son who i am told owes his life to the cardinal although don rodrigo will be at a distance from you it is better for him to be away and safe than for him to be near and in danger as the cardinal thinks he would be your mutual love would in no way suffer by this separation when he grows up he can decide according to the circumstances whether it is best for him to return to italy or remain away the cardinal's suggestion to convert his personal property into money to provide for his support and to increase his income as he states he is anxious to do is a good idea in brief as we have said it seems to us that you had best consent nevertheless if your majesty who is perfectly competent to decide this determine otherwise we are perfectly willing farewell hercules duke of ferrara etc Codigorio, october fourth fifteen o three in the meantime november first fifteen o three della rovere ascended the papal throne as julius the second the rovere the borgias and the medici each gave the church two popes and they impressed upon the papacy the political form of the modern state in the entire annals of the church there are no other families which have so deeply affected the course of history their names suggest innumerable political and moral revolutions della rovere now released caesar whose bitterest enemy he had once been it was apparent that valentino's destruction was imminent elsewhere we may read how julius the second first used caesar for the purpose of assuring his election by means of his influence on the spanish cardinals and how he subsequently after the surrender of the fortresses in the romagna cast him aside caesar threw himself into the arms of spain going from ostia to naples in october fifteen o four where the great captain gonsalvo represented ferdinand the catholic don chufre accompanied him cardinals francesco remolini of sorrento and ludovico borgia had preceded him to naples to escape a prosecution with which they were threatened there gonsalvo broke the safe conduct which he had given caesar may twenty seventh he seized him in the name of king ferdinand and confined him in the castle of ischia we hear nothing of the fate of the borgia children apparently they remained under the protection of the spanish cardinals in rome or naples caesar saving nothing and barely escaping with his life set out for spain he had previously placed his valuables in the hands of his friends in rome to keep for him or send to ferrara december thirty first fifteen o three duke ercole wrote his ambassador in rome to take charge of caesar's chests when the cardinal of sorrento should send them to him and forward them to ferrara as the property of the cardinal d'este cardinal remolini died in may fifteen o seven and julius the second confiscated in his house twelve chests and eighty-four bales which contained tapestry rich stuffs and other property belonging to caesar the pope ordered the florentines to return certain other property of caesar's consisting of gold silver and similar valuables which he had sent to their city 
The Florentine seigneury, however, stated that they would have nothing to do with the matter. The removal of Caesar to Spain caused great excitement. No one, neither Gonsalvo, the Pope, nor King Ferdinand, was willing to assume the responsibility for it. It was even stated that it was due to Gandia's widow, who was at the Castilian court endeavoring to secure the arrest of her husband's murderer. The Spanish cardinals and Lucretia exerted themselves to obtain Caesar's release. The first news of him came from Spain in October 1504. Costabili wrote to Ferrara, quote, The affairs of the Duke of Valentino do not appear to be in such a desperate condition as has been represented, for the Cardinal of Salerno has a letter of the third instant from Requesens, the Duke's Maggiordomo, which His Majesty's dispatched before he reached there, and letters from several cardinals to His Majesty of Spain. Requesens writes that the Duke was confined with one servant in the castle of Seville, which, although very strong, is roomy. He was soon furnished with eight servants. He also writes that he has spoken to the king regarding freeing Caesar, and that his majesty stated that he had not ordered the duke's confinement, but had given instructions for him to be brought to Spain, on account of certain charges which Gonsalvo had made against him. If these were found to be untrue, he would do as the cardinal requested concerning Caesar. However, nothing could be done until the queen recovered. He made the same answer to the ambassador of the king and queen of Navarre, who endeavored to secure the duke's release and consequently Requesens hoped that he would soon be set free. From this letter of Requesens it appears that Caesar was first taken to Seville, and from there was sent to the castle of Medina del Campo in Castile. The king of France turned a deaf ear to his petitions. No one in Italy wanted him set free. His sister was the only person in the peninsula who took any interest in the overthrown upstart, and her appeals found little support among the Este. It was well known that if Caesar returned to Italy, he would only cause uneasiness at the court of Ferrara, and would in all probability make it the center of his intrigues. The Gonzaga alone appeared not to have entirely withdrawn their favor from him, although instead of wishing, as they once had done, to establish a matrimonial alliance with him, they now connected themselves with the Rovere, the Marquis of Mantua, marrying his young daughter, Leonora, to Julius's nephew, Francesco Maria della Rovere, heir of Urbino, April 9, 1505. It was especially Isabella who, owing to her affection for her sister-in-law, Lucretia, seconded her appeals to her husband. In the archives of the House of Gonzaga are several letters written by Lucretia to the Marquis in the interests of her brother. August 18, 1505, she wrote him from Reggio that she had taken steps in Rome to induce the Pope to permit Cardinal Petro Isuales to go to the Spanish court to endeavor to secure Caesar's freedom, and she hoped to succeed. She therefore asked the Marquis himself to request the Pope to allow the Cardinal to undertake this mission. She wrote to him again from Belriguardo, thanking him for his promise to dispatch an agent to Spain, and she sent him a letter for King Ferdinand and another for her brother. It is not known whether the cardinal actually undertook this journey to Madrid, but it is hardly likely that Julius would have allowed him to do so. End of chapter 6